0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: Well, happy Monday and welcome to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, sitting in for Brother Bert Harper, and joining me today... I believe. Are you at home today, Alex?
2: I am at home in the Carolinas.
1: All right. And that is the voice of Dr. Alex McFarland. You can find the resources that Alex has as well as where he's going to be and how you can bring him to your community by simply visiting alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com, and he's got a plethora of things there for you to choose from.
2: Good word. Jim, you are so gracious. Uh, This is Exploring the Word, and we are so glad everybody's with us. Jim Stanley, glad to have you with us. And you're always so gracious to put a little plug in for me as I travel and speak. And, you know, later this month, I'm going to be at Rockfish Church in the Fayetteville area, uh, Pastor Tony McVickers and a lot of our great friends down there in the area of Fort Bragg. Uh, So many people who serve our country, and I'm always honored Mm. to preach in Fayetteville. But thanks for giving me a a little plug there, Jim. And uh, let me, before we get into the book of Micah, and we do start a brand new book study today, the Old Testament book of Micah, I do want to remind everybody that October 15 through 17, Truth for a New Generation is coming up, and we're going to be uh, with Frank Turek and Sandy Rios and E.W. Jackson and Miki Addison. We're going to be talking about, Jim, A Biblical Response to the Woke Movement, Mm. and so that's going to be in South Carolina. We'll tell you more about it, but you can find out complete info, and there there are teen tracks, uh, adults, parents, church leaders, and yes, youth, and we're going to be talking about building a solidly biblical worldview into all of our lives, and you can go to alexmcfarland.com for complete information on truth for a new generation.
1: All right. Well, I'm sure folks are looking forward to that and they need to go ahead and start registering because that's one that generally fills up and you don't want to turn anyone away if you can help it. Well, we are in the book of Micah today and that is one of the, you know, Alex, uh, uh, help me understand because this has been one of the questions that's always bothered me. Help me understand the difference between the minor and major profits. This isn't like baseball. You don't have minor league preachers and major league preachers, so help me understand the difference.
2: Well, that that's a great analogy, uh, and really, it simply refers to the length. It's not that you know the smaller books are less significant and Daniel and Ezekiel you know are more important, but it's it's really when scholars talk about the major prophets and the minor prophets, they're really only referring to the length, and uh, Micah is really. Kind of, it's been said Micah is the, the Cliff Notes version of Isaiah, you mm-hmm. know, in a way, because they're, they're very similar, and um, they it's just that, you know, the minor prophets refer to the shorter length of many of those. Now, generally, they say there are four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and, and Daniel, so uh, really five, but then... The minor prophets would be Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, that we'd be in today, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And so um, that's kind of the split, but it really refers to length. Mm.
1: All right. Well, you know, I, I really did kind of know that. I just like posing those questions. Uh, I because thought you
2: did know that.
1: Because you, you explain it a lot better than I normally do. Uh, well, we are in the book of Micah. Now, Micah had had the ability, you know, you were talking about Isaiah and his prophecies and you were talking about some of the others. But now Micah, his pronouncement, instead of just being to kings and and leaders and even ecclesiastical leaders, if you will, his prophecy was pretty much for the common folk, wasn't it?
2: Well, it was. It was, and and you know, Jim, all of these biblical books. I know it might sound kind of lofty when you you know talk about the prophecies of Ezekiel and Daniel, and uh, but you think about it, Amos was a farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and if anybody really was at street level, just giving God's wisdom for the the everyday person, Amos would have been like that, and Micah is like that, and all Scripture. Is profitable. The New Testament says all scriptures given by inspiration of God, uh, and is profitable. Now, in a way, you can look at. Um, there's two kings that really micro references. One is King Ahaz, and the other is Hezekiah. And there's generally a cloud over the reign of King Ahaz, and a little bit brighter days under King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, but um, you can't really get what's going on here unless you understand that the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. And that, that was never God's will. Now God continued to work and um, the Messiah still came. But the divided nation, because God had called out Abraham to found Israel, and through Israel, Jesus our Messiah would be born. Um, a lo- there's a lot going on. Um, after the death of Solomon, Israel split into two, and there, there's a lot of things at play. But this divided kingdom and the 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 chosen people at war with each other. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Um, that was never God's plan for this division and warring amongst the called out people, was it?
1: No. Um, and when you when you hear this, when you when you hear how Micah has presented this and uh, it, it's one of those things that it it makes you want to change it, it or it should make you want to change you know you, we talk about the gospels and and the epistles if you will of the new testament but the the primary message here is to bring people to repentance
2: mhm oh a- absolutely absolutely because here here's the thing the southern kingdom is Judah. And that's where Jerusalem was, and Hebron. The northern kingdom, which was called Israel, uh, it, it's funny, uh, the northern kingdom is referred to as Israel, and one of the key cities of Israel, Jerusalem, wasn't even in the northern kingdom. But Micah uh, says a lot during the time of the southern kings, who were Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And they this were talking... 750 to 800 B.C., roughly about 750 B.C. to about 697. So this is like a 150-year period of some really dark times. And Micah is, um, for one thing, very famous about predicting the birthplace of the coming Messiah. Jim, isn't it a a little bit of an encouragement that in a dark time, I mean, there's this woe, destruction is pronounced Uh, against Samaria and Judah. Okay, Israel, this is what's really amazing in chapters 1 and 2, the northern kingdom, which is really Israel, is referred to as Samaria, like the enemies of the Jews. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's destruction prophesied against the southern kingdom of Judah as well. But even in the midst of condemnation of sin and bad priests and, you know, bad prophets. Uh, there's the promise of Jesus in Micah 5, 2 We're going to get there, being born that even in the midst of judgment, one is going to come out of Bethlehem, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. It's Jesus. So even in the midst of God's judgment, Jim, doesn't the Lord act mercifully and redemptively on our behalf?
1: He does. And, you know, We talk about the uh, threat of redemption throughout the Bible itself. Uh, That's one of those right there where you were talking about and how Micah reminds us that there's one to come. And when I was looking through here, when I was reading through this, you know, when you, and I know that we'll get there in just a moment, but like where you look at verse 9, for her wounds are incurable, For it has come to Judah, it has come to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. And then, you know, when you look at that, we know that there is a cure and that there is a coming Redeemer who, pardon me, there is a coming Redeemer who will take care of all of this. But right here, it is such a tale of woe, and you can hear it in the voice of Micah. He's literally heartbroken uh, and and grieving. You know, it, it reminds me... If you will, of a picture of Christ where he was crying over Jerusalem, you know, mm-hmm. where, where he was grief stricken because it was like, Aren't you ever going to listen? Will you never listen to the words of my father and the words of me? And so, uh, you know, when we, when we look for that scarlet thread, a redemptive thread, if you will, it's very much present here in the book of Micah.
2: You know, uh, Jim, I, I think about this, and, and folks, we're in chapter one of Micah. But Isaiah 64, and, you know, again, some scholars say that Micah is almost like a Cliff Notes version of Isaiah, or Isaiah in shorthand. Isaiah 64 talks about the power of the Lord. And, um, by the way, Jim, before I allude to Isaiah 64, did, did you all have a thunderstorm last night? I don't think so. We did up here in North Carolina and South Carolina. And I mean, it was one of those thunderstorms where the windows rattled. I mean, literally. And my little dog, Esther, was trembling. I thought she was going to crawl up in my shirt pocket. And I was thinking about the power of the Lord. Mm. I mean, a, a summer thunderstorm, but it that thunder boomed so loud, it really was a little unsettling, the power of God. Now, Isaiah had written in Isaiah 64... Uh, Lord, oh, that you would open the heavens and come down. The mountains tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. And Isaiah 64 says, we've heard of all the things you did and the mountains trembled and melted at your presence. Now, in Micah 1, it says the Lord, verse 3, behold, the Lord comes forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall melt under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before fire, and as the waters that are poured down from a steep place. You know, waters just splash everywhere. For all the transgression of Jacob is this, and the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Now, I want to come back to this, but Jim... Uh, I got a call this morning to do an interview, and I was asked to comment on the, the rise of atheism in our times. Mm-hmm. A lot of people claim to not believe in God. And let me tell you, there's going to come a day the one whose mere footprint causes mountains to melt. And it says the, the ground of the earth will melt like wax before fire. I want to tell you, people might ignore it for a time... But I want to remind everybody, uh, almighty God is still omnipotent. That means has all the power. And uh, the thunder of a summertime storm ought to remind us that uh, God's bigger than us and he loves us. But when he comes forth in judgment, um, the, the brazen rejection of God is, is going to melt away. And, and we still need to humble ourselves before a, an all-powerful God, don't we?
1: We sure do. And, you know, the analogy that you had there of the thunder, you know, the, the loudness or, or repercussions of the thunder, if you will, are in direct proportion to the closeness to the lightning strike. And mm. if you've never seen lightning strike a tree and blow it apart, or you've never seen lightning strike something and see what's going on there and been very close to that thunder's clap, well, I tell you what, it'll wake you up, that's for sure. And hopefully, Micah will do the same as we continue in the book of Micah here on Exploring the Word on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop
0: down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Robert Anderson, Principal Deputy Solicitor for the United States Department of the Interior. His office manages 75% of our nation's federal public land. First Corinthians ten twenty-six reminds us that the earth is God's creation. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Right now with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Robert Anderson in his role at the United States Department of the Interior. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and
0: the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The idea of living for the moment may not be very practical on earth, but Dr. Tony Evans says that in heaven, It'll be an amazing way of life we can barely comprehend today. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes
2: with Tony.
3: God has no past, and He has no future. He has no yesterday, and He has no tomorrow. Everything about God is now. You and I can't relate to that because we live life linearly. That is, we go from 1 to 10, A to Z, beginning to end, First to last That's how we live life Because we live life in time and space But God lives outside of time and space Now you can't appreciate that now You will be when you go to heaven Because if you're a believer And you, you, therefore you're going to heaven Then you're going There'll be no night there There'll be no need for the sun The Bible says You won't go to sleep There'll be no nighttime. There'll be no need to rest Because you have a new glorified body That'll never get tired And everything for forever will be now Okay, So you will live as God lives in an eternal now Now if something is in an eternal now It's always fresh Because it's right now Okay, See if it's yesterday It's not fresh Because you've already been there If it's tomorrow It's just hope Because you haven't gotten there yet But if it's now You're going through it right now So you can't imagine what God can have a store for you and me when now meets now and everything becomes an experience because it's all right now.
0: The Bible makes it clear that there's only one way to guarantee an eternal future in heaven. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the Jesus link in the top menu. Tony will tell you all about it and connect you with some free resources. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
1: a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. (laughs)
2: I will make Samaria as a heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. Now listen to Micah 1 7. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with a fire, and all the idols I will lay desolate, for she gathered it of the hire of a harlot, and they shall return. To the hire of a harlot. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex McFarland with Jim Stanley, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. By the way, all of the, the shows, not only Exploring the Word, but all of the incredible programming, news, current events, commentary, and Exploring the Word brings Bible teaching. So much content that we believe will bless your life is on AFR.net as in American Family Radio afr.net, and there's also a mobile app you can download, you can listen online, or you can forward a link. If some of these shows you think, hey, that would be a blessing to somebody, you can forward that on, and somebody else can enjoy it as well. But we invite you to check that out, and also we invite you to turn to the Old Testament book of Micah. Follow along with us. Uh, Jim, in chapter one here, where uh, Micah the prophet is talking about the judgment God is going to bring on Okay, Samaria, that's the northern kingdom. But he says, look, it's going to be like um, little plantings. If you've ever done a seedling, you know, a vine, a grapevine, by the way, can be really hard to pull up like a tree. But a planting, that's just like a little blade of grass that's not really established. It could be yanked up, cut down easily. And he says, I'm going to make Samaria like a heap of just Grass mowed down. I'm going to uncover the foundations. In other words, I'm going to I'm going to just wipe the slate clean. That in verse six talks about the physical destruction, but really, verse seven speaks about the judgment on the spiritual sins mm-hmm. of the northern kingdom.
1: Sure does. And you know, the comparison there to the harlot again is something that we see in the New Testament, uh, in the Book of Revelation. Uh, but notice here that we go back and we look and uh, there in verse four about the the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire. Watch an erupting volcano, and if there is a community close to that volcano, it really does unfortunately, a lot of that becomes like melting wax because the the fire from the lava will totally consume those things. And so this is the same that's true here where you were talking about the the places, you know, the, the small vines and the blades of grass and things that can be pulled up and wiped away without a problem. And that God, you know, a lot of folks now used to, and I'm going to age myself here, you know, when you lived in the country, roads could be very rough. And so driveways could also be very rough. And a lot of times you'd have a friend who would have a tractor with what's called a back blade and it Mm -hmm. would come and it would rake that gravel and smooth that gravel out to where it was drivable again. And so when I think of this, where it, where he talks about here in verse seven um, or pardon me in verse six, that he is going to uncover the foundations he's going to take and he's going to use that back blade and literally scrape all of that gravel and all of that dirt back to the very foundation, you know, the bedrock, if you will. And we, we as Christians, we're fortunate that our bedrock is Christ and that Christ has taken our place and has taken those punishments for us. Um, but, Alex, I mean, when he, the language here is very literal and very pictorial, if you will, uh, because you think of the things and it talks it basically all right, money to a harlot, you know where he talks about mm. the idols there that he's going to pay back like it's the money to a harlot. Most folks, I want to be careful how I say this, but that's considered almost like throwaway money, you know because mm. it's not going to anything that that's sustainable, if you will. it's not going to anything that's going to help you be a better person. Um, And so that's, he is talking about taking Judah down to its very bedrock, Israel down to its very bedrock, and to cast all of those things that they believed in other than him to the side.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Jim, you know, uh, if you've ever been to like a steel plant, or, or even a plant, you know, I, I was out there in Kokomo, Indiana on the weekend of July 4th, and there's a very famous plant out there where they make glass. And if you've ever looked at hard substances that become molten, uh, I mean, you, you think about that, the power of, of the elements to mm-hmm. melt under fire. And, you know, the day is coming and it says, look at this, uh, in, verse, in verse 8, therefore I will wail and howl, I will go stripped and naked, I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. Okay, uh, the word wail, W-A-I-L, like a, a, an outcry, in um, Zechariah 12, verse 10, it talks about when Christ returns that um, they will look on him who they pierced. Okay, that's Jesus, whose hands and feet were pierced. It says, they will look on him and wail. I mean, there's a certain wailing of no hope, uh, not only sadness, but even terror. And when the judgment of God falls, for those that have rejected God's offer of salvation, there will be wailing. And, you know, let me just say this. Jim, we've all talked to people who were, you know, not yet saved, And i've talked to some people who are pretty brazen about how they're not going to deal with god or they they'll you know if they leave this world and there's god they'll just tell him what for listen just as steel turns in it vaporizes Mm -hmm. in the smelting pot or or think of any of the other elements that burn up listen fallen humanity and sin and a world built in opposition to god it's it's going to melt like butter getting touched with a hot knife. And look at verse 9. It says, Her wound is incurable, for it has come unto Judah. He has come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Let me say, when God says, Your wound is incurable, your sin is just too much, judgment has to come, that is a bad situation to face. And I think about our own country, Jim, I'm almost always take things back to America, built on godly principles, built on moral truth, and yet um, the immorality of our nation, it it really, uh, as many have said, we are ripe either for a revival or <laughs> severest of judgments. And I mean, obviously we pray for a great move of God's Holy Spirit, but when I read about judgment falling on prodigal nations, I've got a Think what about America? Do you think that way, Jim?
1: I do because you know the, one of the common—not jokes, but you know one of the things that a lot of people say, tongue in cheek—that if uh, if judgment doesn't come to America soon, God will owe Sodom and Gomorrah, an apology. <laughs> and you know when when we think about that, when we see those judgments. In fact, that was as we read through this judgment that's coming down. When we see this when we see the prophecy that Micah's doing here, Alex, what would happen if America was judged uh, right now today? What what, if, for example, we see the Grand Canyon and we see how deep the foundation of the earth, you know, can go at least in part there because we can see the different layers of of the strata. Um, What would happen if America was ripped down to its bedrock?
2: Wow, that's a great question. Well, I mean... And, and I've got to say, and folks, don't get me wrong, I love America, and we often say this, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Mm-hmm. And we could call on the name of the Lord, and revival could come by, by sundown tonight. I mean, honestly. But, Jim, I was with Dr. Dobson last December, and um, the book, uh, the Assault on America book, which, by the way, is in the AFA store, Dr. Dobson had me on to talk about that book. And James Dobson he said, "I think we are already under a state of judgment mm. and uh so what what would that look like? Well, I was thinking about um heaven forbid, what if our beautiful capital uh was bombed or something because I mean, when you look at our Capitol, and you see up in the rotunda of the Capitol, there's George Washington, there's Moses holding the Ten Commandments carved into the ceiling, and you you see uh, the Lincoln Memorial, and all over Washington, sometimes Tim Wildman and, um, you know, David Barton, they lead these tours of Washington, and virtually every city block you walk down, you'll see some biblical reference Mm -hmm carved into our buildings. But, Jim, if all those buildings were raised to the ground, that would be very demoralizing, wouldn't it? It would. And, and uh, I, I mean, you think about some of our beautiful monuments. I mean, what if, God forbid, you know, um, woke anarchists blew up Mount Rushmore and, you know, Roosevelt and Lincoln and Jefferson and Washington were gone? But let, we think about the physical loss but but let me say, um, I, I think about pulpits that, you know, preachers could preach and motivate people. Mm. Many do. Many do not. I think about lostness, millions of people dying unprepared for eternity. And I think about young people. And, Jim, I'm so concerned for millions. You know, they say the, millen- the millennials are, are roughly 100 million strong. Largest demographic like this, and so many of them, they don't know Jesus. They they don't even know their own identity. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you ask me, what what does judgment look like? Twenty twenty one. Wow,
1: yeah, that's I mean that
2: and mask mandates. Forgive me for getting on a rant, but look, our liberties being lost. Our our earnings being confiscated and redistributed to things that any Bible believer would find uh, very uh, intolerable. Um, I wonder if the beginnings of judgment looks exactly like what the newspaper this morning brought to our eyes. Mm. And so, so what do we do? Well, we pray and we say, Dear Lord, send a revival and let it begin right now with me. Let it begin in my heart.
1: You know when you talk about revival, if we had as many people and this this is gonna and I don't want to offend any of our listeners here because I understand where we live, I understand what some of us are fans of. So, you know, I I'm, I'm not looking to offend anyone, just draw this for the parallel that it is. But if we had as many people praying for revival as we do that are looking forward to college football. Returning in just a few weeks. Come on! If now. we had as much news coverage of revival as Texas and um, uh, Oklahoma, yeah, not Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma. All right, Devin's helping me out here. If we had as much talk about that as we did, as we saw coverage of them leaving the Pac-12 and joining the SEC in a couple of years when their TV rights are changed. If we could have that amount of focus on revival, maybe for the season of a football, you know, the, the season of football, if we could focus revival, prayer, uh, revival prayer for America with that much intensity, how much do you think that would pay off in spiritual benefit?
2: Oh, it'd be huge. It would be huge. And, you know, listen, I, I love sports, too, and I played baseball growing up, up into high school, and we all enjoy seeing baseball, football, basketball. I know that. But here's the thing. Um, I read years ago where a missionary from another country came to America, and they took him to a, a big NFL game. And they said, what, what is this? What do you think? He said, this is first-class dedication to a second-class because mm. And and it's okay to have hobbies and interests and things like that. But honestly, Jim, we've got to remember, and Micah reminds us of this, if you're a follower of the Lord, if you're a born-again Christian, if you've taken the blessings of sonship, then you must accept the responsibilities of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And the first order of priority for every child of God is to grow in Christ and make others know Christ, and to, as Elmer Towns would say, we are to live our lives as carriers of the gospel and carriers of revival. You know, people talk about the the pandemic is contagious. You you know what is contagious? It can be, is, is godliness. Right. And the gospel can be contagious, and uh, we, we want to be carriers, don't we? We
1: sure do, uh, of that, not necessarily of the the other things that are catching of attention course. right now but um uh, carry if we <laughs> never mind i'm not going to go down that road i'm going to pull myself back um but it, it, you know when you were talking about the mass mandates you should have heard the discussion that Devin and i had just before the broadcast about the different things uh, that that go along with that um but when we look we by the way folks this is exploring the word on american family radio We're in the first chapter of the book of Micah, and we're at verse
2: 10. Alex, would you like to pick up there? Declare it not at Gath. Now, this is fascinating. Gath was uh, an area that belonged to the Philistines, and all this judgment is coming. And he says, look, don't, don't let the Philistines know about it for two reasons. Jim, let me ask you this. Why do you think it would have been in the best interest for the Philistines not to know about the judgment of God coming?
1: Uh, so they wouldn't prepare for it.
2: Exactly. And, and hey, they would have rejoiced at the destruction of God's people. Hey, this is Exploring the Word. When we come back, we're going to take your phone calls. The number, 888 Stay tuned. Your Bible questions when we come back after this.
0: Author Joy Lucius. I could not believe that out
2: of 1.5 million children that I heard, only two names that day, and they were the names of the same two little girls whose picture was hidden hidden in my purse. Hear the incredible story
0: that inspired the American Family Association novel, Rose and Odette, Unknown Children of the Holocaust. Visit afajournal.org. Washington, watch.
1: This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening.
2: Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a
1: ghost town.
0: Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio.
3: Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Texas legislators fled the Lone Star State to prohibit the passage of an election integrity bill there, they sought sanctuary in D.C. This reportedly led to the spread of COVID-19 in the White House, among those who'd taken the injections. That led a reporter to ask Press Secretary Jen Psaki, why won't the administration just release the number of breakthrough cases you've had of vaccinated staffers? Why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? To which Saki replied, why do you need that information? But she brings truth and transparency, right? Listen
0: each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 4, 16, Jesus says this about himself. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. During World War II, 500 American and British POWs had spent three years in a hellish prison camp. But on January 28, 1945, U.S. Army Rangers went behind enemy lines to rescue them. One POW, Burt Bank, stared vacantly at the Ranger who told him he could go free. He wouldn't move. But then the Ranger said, Man, don't you want to be free? The word free broke through to Bert. He reached up and took the ranger's hand and walked out of that camp to freedom. Sometimes we don't recognize our freedom when it's standing right in front of us. Don't refuse your freedom. Turn to Jesus and be saved today. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
3: Somehow you see through my heart and you welcome
1: me with open arms. We welcome you back with open arms to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, 888 589 And we'll begin to take your Bible questions in just a moment. Alex, I told Devin to mark it down that we had made it through 9 because you had just started to read verse 10 uh, as the uh, break music started. Mm -hmm. So does that work for you?
2: And we'll pick that up tomorrow. How about Uh, that?
1: Sounds good. Okay. And that way that's official. It's set. and uh, Bert should should be back with you tomorrow, but don't look too relieved because I'll be back in
2: on Wednesday.
1: Praise Uh, (laughs) the Lord. We'd love to have
2: you. And hey, by the way, we have a book coming out, Bert and I, the top 100 questions from the first 10 years of exploring the Word. And um, folks, later on in, I guess, mid-October, we're going to tell you how you can get one of those, aren't we, Jim? Well, we are,
1: as a matter of fact. That's somewhere right around mid-October. It may even start um, first part of October. You can't ever tell. It depends on how Tied, uh, tightly held that secret is but no uh, we're looking we forward are pretty, to that
2: pretty excited about that book really
1: absolutely well 888 589 we're going to talk to lauren calling from texas today lauren welcome to exploring the word hi lauren Hello. hey thanks
3: for
0: taking my call um so this doesn't have to do with what y'all are talking about today, but I've been wanting to talk to y'all about or ask what your opinion is on a teacher. His name is Kent Hoban. Um And my husband's been listening to his teachings and I'm just not really sure about him and just kind of wanted to know if you're familiar with him and
3: what your thoughts are.
1: Now, Alex, you may be more familiar than I am, but I want to make sure, Lauren, are you talking about the gentleman who is a uh, the evangelist and tax protester? Yes. Young Earth guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I, you know, I mean, we're careful about what we say about other folks, and you know, but this is one of those times. Like I said, you may be more familiar with him than I am, so I'm going to let you take the lead.
2: Well, this relates to the the creation-evolution controversy, um, and this kind of goes back to really the 80s. Uh, Kent Hovind, and, and I really don't know that much about him, but he was a teacher, or is a teacher, I think he's still alive, um, but I, Jim, I first probably heard about him like 30 years ago, and he would travel and he would offer like a million dollars to anybody that could... Prove Evolution, which that was kind of a sensationalistic advertising campaign to get people in, and he would give evidence for uh, what he believed was compelling evidence for Genesis and Young Earth creation, and the, the way it was structured, I mean, he never had to pay out the million dollars, and nor would he ever, and I don't know if he even had the million dollars, uh, but it was, um, you know... An offer to try to get evolutionists in and and he would debate them, but he got in trouble and i don't I don't know all the deals about it or all the details mm-hmm. rather, but he got in trouble with the i r s and he actually went to jail and let me just say this while I'm a passionate uh defender of biblical creation um that's not the way we need to fight evolution and darwinism and i think in more recent years i've been so pleased with the work of uh, ken ham and answers in genesis you know because um they've done such a good job to Mm. and and i'll tell you maybe not as famous but um uh reasons for hope with um juan valdez and uh oh i can't believe i can't think of his name carl there there's another group that's doing so much with creation and evolution, but answers in Genesis has done things and they've got up to date science and they've just been so in my opinion upright and how, how well they've done it. Now I know Kent Hovind has a son named Eric Hovind Mm -hmm. who produced a, a documentary. I think it was called the lost world. And I think Eric has done some good work speaking to youth, but, um, let me just say this about your testimony. If you lose your integrity and your testimony, you, can't, you just can't get it back. Right. And while Kent may have changed um, and may have gotten straight with the IRS, I have no idea. Um, his name, the atheists and the evolutionists were especially gleeful when professed Christians break the law mm-hmm. because they, they love that. So let me just say, um, I've always had a check in my spirit about him because um, regardless of his data, his, his methodology, you know, it, it's, never, it's never right to do wrong to do right, Jim.
1: That's right. And uh, Lauren, we appreciate your call this afternoon and uh, see that we've had a couple of other calls about Dr. Hoven. And uh, just want to be real clear. We want to answer Bible questions as much as possible we we don't really want to get into debates over different teachers and so uh we're going to we're going to take your bible questions at triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. now that's not to say if somebody is heretical that we won't may you know we may or may not make mention of that but you know we can give you the good and the bad and then you have to choose for yourself whose teaching you want to follow for me uh, you know I'd follow Alex Mcfarland in a heartbeat I'd follow Frank Turek in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and of course, mm-hmm. Bert Harper, I've got a special place in my heart for him. But nonetheless, uh, we want to be careful about the way that, that we do some of these things, and, and we don't want the show to be hijacked because we've got some folks that love him and some folks that don't love him. So there you go. All right, we're going to talk to Ron now calling from Tennessee. Ron, welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing Please good.
0: Okay, my question is, we call God Jehovah, but Jehovah is not in the Bible. So is it right to call him a name that's not disclosed?
2: Uh, let me jump in here on this. It, it Really, uh, the word Jehovah is a... Well, for lack of a better word, it's, it's a rendering of the Hebrew, really unpronounceable, Yahweh. Uh, the, the tetragrammaton is the name of God, Y-H-W-H, and there, there were not the vowels put in to make it pronounceable. The, the God of, of Israel and the, the biblical God that revealed himself in the Old Testament and more incrementally, showed us who he was and how we could know him. But in uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4, the great declaration of monotheism, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Well, whenever you read the name of God in the Old Testament, it is Yahweh. Uh, Yahaveh is Hebrew. And so really um, Jehovah is, is a Latin rendering of that. Uh, Jim, I think it's appropriate because just like if you say Yeshua, Mm -hmm. Mashiach, Jesus, Messiah, uh, if you pronounce it. So what I would say, brother, is Yahweh or Jehovah or God. That's Yahweh is Hebrew. Jehovah is Latin. God is English. But it's the same word for the same person. Just pronounced in different language, just like Yeshua would be Jesus, or we in our English and really mm-hmm. Anglicized way of saying Yeshua, we say Jesus. So uh, I, I, I would say Jehovah is in the Bible, but it's, it's the Hebrew rendering of that word that we find in the Old Testament.
1: All right, Ron, thanks for the call this afternoon. James calling from Ohio, welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: Hello. How are y'all
1: doing? Well, good. Um, I just wanted to see if y'all would pray for me. I do a weekly television program called the Good News Freedom Show here in Ohio. And what I do
3: every week is I
1: have preachers come on and preach or I have people come on and testify just how the Lord has changed their life. And
3: um, YouTube has banned me. I don't know if maybe somebody preached something they shouldn't have preached that the liberals didn't like, but that's not going to, that's not going to keep me
1: from doing what I'm going to do, because I, I hear you guys talking about revivals and everything, and I am so thankful that we have got two revivals going on here in the state of Ohio, and I think the Lord is going to move, and I just want you all to pray for my little television program. All right, James, appreciate your call this afternoon, and appreciate your ministry. Uh, that you have going on there in Ohio, Alex. You have you are a full time evangelist. Would you like to take a moment and pray for James and his ministry and the ministry of others like him?
2: Let's do that, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for James communicating the gospel and bringing uh, people on to preach. And and Lord, it it's always disheartening when we hear that some of the social media platforms have banned people, and we know that's just. Seems like that's part of cancel culture right now. But bless this brother. Remind him of First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And please, Father God, keep the doors open, the airways, the Internet. Lord, uh, any obstruction to the proclamation of the gospel, Father God, by your mighty hand, would you push those open and let the word of salvation freely go forth through the work of James every church, and through AFA, and all of us. And it's in your name and for your glory we pray, dear Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. 888 is the number to call. We've got a pretty full board, so uh, if you're not getting through right now, send your questions to word at afr.net. That's word at afr.net, and we'll do our best to answer them or maybe even have them answered on a future broadcast here of Exploring the Word. Kathy from Texas. Good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word.
0: Hi. Th- um, Thanks, y'all, taking my call. Um, I, I have a question. I'm um, a
2: historian, and um, I'm really interested in the Holocaust era.
0: And I have read in the Bible, you know, the old prophets, but is there any prophecy in there about the Holocaust? Do y'all know?
1: Alex, uh, I'm going to let you field that one because – you know, when we look at the different prophecies and things, and we look at what happened to the to the Jewish people during that time, um, you know, a lot of folks were looking for Christ to return then uh, because mm-hmm. they felt like that. You know, Hitler was the Antichrist, but the Scripture tells us there have been many
2: Antichrists, hasn't it? Had, doesn't Th- that's it? true? By the way, this is a great question. First John two. I would encourage people to read First John. 2, and about the the mindset of the Antichrist, and it says, you've heard the Antichrist is going to come, even now there are many Antichrists, and it says, 1 John 2, read 15 through 22, who is the Antichrist but he who denies Jesus has come in the flesh? So by the way, any time somebody says to you, well, Jesus is a way, but not really the way, not God incarnate, that's the mindset of the Antichrist, but... I don't know that there's a specific prophecy about the coming of the Holocaust, but if you read, listen, in Matthew 23, 38, and Luke thirteen thirty-five. okay? Jesus famously said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you to myself as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Therefore, your house is left desolate. For I will say, you will not see me again. Do you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, Jim... Uh, The dispersion of the Jews, the destruction of Israel in A.D. 70, I think that was foretold by Jesus. Desolate means empty and and really dead. Now, in A.D. 70, um, Rome ransacked Jerusalem, and of course we know the Holocaust came, but in 1948, really thanks to Winston Churchill and thanks to... um, uh, Kaim Witts uh, was a Jewish man who was um, worked with Prime Minister uh, Ben-Gurion, and then also Harry Truman, really. America and England and Zionists reestablished Israel in May of '48, and that's one of the reasons, Jim, I believe that we are very, very likely near the end of time because it's been really more than 70 years since the rebirth of Israel, but I think... The, the horror of the Holocaust was uh, maybe not specifically prophesied, but at least the possibility of it foretold in the Matthew twenty three thirty eight verse and Luke 13 about Israel being left waste, desolate, and dead. And they were for nearly 2,000 years. Mm. All right,
1: Kathy, thanks for the call this afternoon. We appreciate it. We're going to talk to Danny calling from Kansas. Danny, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Uh, hello, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, I had a I've been studying the Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible and I was just wanted to get your feelings on that. Can you hear me?
1: Yes sir. I, yeah. We can and you know Alex, we look at that. We look at the Archaeological Study Bible that came out several years ago. Um those are those are helpful tools. And, uh, you know, there they are some in the New King James, New International, and King James versions. So when you look at that, um, it actually kind of puts some meat on the bones, doesn't it?
2: It does. Um, and do you know what? Uh, it's funny, did he say cultural background study Bible? He, he did. You know, I have to confess ignorance. I'm not familiar with that. Um, there's so many study Bibles out there now, and um, a lot of good things. And goodness, in, in many ways, Jim, it seems like we're living in a golden age of resources. Well, um, but I, that one I'm just not familiar with. I'm sorry.
1: Well, we really are, and it's one of those that kind of looks at the cultures of the Bible stories that that are told in the Bible, and it does go, you know, throughout the Scripture. And that's why I kind of related it to the um, archaeological study Bible. And so uh, you've got folks on there like John Walton from Wheaton College, uh, Craig Kenner from Asbury Theological Seminary. Oh, yeah. And so you've got some really good folks that have participated in that. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it, it really is. A, it's a helpful Bible study tool. It would kind of be like a commentary, you know, okay. but just on some of the backgrounds of that. Well, All Alex, right. thanks for Three. letting me hang
2: out. It's always good to have you with us, Jim Stanley, and everybody listening. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue in Micah Chapter 1.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.